0: Hill Palestine is a non-profit, non-political organization that's working in all aspects of rebuilding Gaza society, Palestinian society, not only for the short-term immediate needs that people are having just to survive, but the long-term holistic approach of rebuilding the lives of thousands and thousands of children in Gaza.
1: Fred Rachani, we have right here via Zoom a very special guest. We are welcoming back humanitarian, philanthropist, Steve Sosby. Formerly of the PCRF, this man for decades has put in the work with his team on the ground for the children of Palestine, especially in these trying times. But now is a brand new venture that we can all get involved with by the name of Heal Palestine. So, Steve, first off, thank you so much for joining us. How does it feel to be starting fresh?
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's exciting. Uh, You know, to be able to um, kind of start something new, especially during this time when, you know, all of our commitment and all of our focus has to be on ways that we can uh, respond to the crisis in Gaza, particularly facing children there. And, you know, I think all of us over the past hundred plus days, three plus months have felt really frustrated, uh, angry, sad, depressed, uh, and in some ways hopeless about ways that we could effectively have an impact on the ground there. Uh, not only for the short term, but, you know, we have to think about the next phase and the future and rebuilding. And, you know, what we want to do, what I want to do is give people an opportunity to be part of a positive, uh, long-term, holistic approach to healing the lives of thousands of Gaza children who right now are in the most uh, dire circumstances in modern times. Um, So you ask me how it feels. It's exciting to bring that kind of uh, you know i've 30 years of experience uh, more than 30 years working in palestine and in gaza um you know my special attachment to gaza goes back to december of 1988 when i first went there so it's it's 30 you know 36 years and with that being said i am very much committed to um uh, responding in whatever way i can with all that experience and knowledge firsthand and connections to all over the world but also in gaza with people who need help and people who can help us implement programs and projects on the ground there that actually do have a long-term and immediate impact. I'm excited. It's not easy, obviously, to start over again. You know, I left an organization with uh, tens of millions of dollars in the bank and, um, you know, huge staff and uh, uh, a long, long history of of good work um, to start something new. And that requires, uh, you know, a little bit of an adjustment on, um, on how things are done and how quickly things get done. But I'm also confident that, uh, you know, that's going to be just a very short period of growing that we're undergoing right now. And uh, within a very short period of time, we're going to be really running at a very fast speed. We already are running, but we're going to be running at a fast speed.
1: I I certainly see that. And obviously you want to get medical care uh, to these kids, to these families. But I also see you've been doing kind of fun days for these kids, haircuts as well. Uh, kind of a little bit of everything. So let's piggyback off that and just talk about it. How did the concept for Heal Palestine come about and what does Heal actually stand for?
0: That's a great question. So the concept came about, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when, um, you know, we were going through some challenges on, you know, what the future for me professionally looked like and what I thought I could do to contribute to the Palestinians on the ground. And, um, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm looking to for a broader scope of impact including the health sector, which is critical. Um, and that's one that, you know, I've been doing for 30 years and, and you know, can continue to do and will continue to do. But there are so many other areas which within the Palestinian society, particularly in Gaza, and particularly for children, um, need help. Uh, education, for example, is one that I feel um, has so much potential for positive work. And there's so much opportunity for us to come in and do something more that can have a lasting impact, not only on the lives of individual children, but also on the society as a whole. And on this issue as a whole, by improving and impacting the education system in Gaza and in Palestine in general, um, you can make a significant change in in the economy, in the society, in the lives of people. Um, so HEAL stands for H is for health, which is you know an area that we're always going to be doing, bringing kids out for medical care, working with our doctors, improving the health sector as I've been doing for more than 30 years. The education is a new area that we're gonna be taking on once the situation is a little bit more calm and we get back to kids you know, going back to school, improving that system, working on micro projects uh, within communities where we can address shortcomings in the education system. Um, a stands for aid and obviously right now we're doing the things you mentioned briefly, some small little micro projects in some of the displaced places, giving kids haircuts, uh, doing fun days. Those are small things that can be done now. We're obviously looking for many more programs and projects and are implementing more programs and projects related to shelter, related to urgent food and clothing, shipping in containers. We have three ready to go in uh, from Egypt um, and a variety of other types of urgent aid programs. So the A stands for aid, and then L stands for leadership and mentorship, which is really a program that's going to, I think, transform – the lives of thousands of kids in Gaza. As you know, Fred, and everybody watching probably, that what's happening in Gaza right now is destroying the lives and families. It's destroyed the entire society. Over 70% of the buildings are destroyed. Uh, 90% of the population are internally displaced, living in UN schools, living in refugee camps, living in tents, living in on the street. And, uh, you know, and over 10,000 children have been killed and over nearly 30,000 children have been injured with sig- many of them significant permanent injuries like amputations, paralysis, nerve injuries, things that are going to require long-term reconstructive surgery for for many, many years. And what we want to do in that area of leadership and mentorship is really take on these kids who have these permanent disabilities or kids who've had their parents killed, who've been, you know, orphaned and who have life altering um challenges in front of them who've been impacted uh, You know, for the rest of their lives and take on the responsibility of healing these children, as I mentioned before, in a holistic kind of approach. And what I mean by that is there's a couple of things. We want to em- empower our communities all over the world um, to be involved in one-on-one mentorship programs for kids who are impacted and need that kind of Uh, opportunities and support and guidance um, from people in our communities outside who have special skills and opportunities to give children uh, on the ground in Gaza uh, better opportunities to become independent in their life. And that's our goal at this program is to give children opportunities to grow and to become productive adults, to be able to take care of themselves, to have families, to be able to uh, be independent financially and with uh, meaningful and purposeful lives. Um, And doing that requires, you know, kind of a long-term Um, investment in a program that's going to connect our very educated, very experienced, very passionate and motivated communities of literally millions of people all over the world, from the Palestinians, from the Arabs, from people like myself who are not Arab or Palestinian by birth, although I carry a Palestinian passport with pride, um, that there's so many people that want to do more, that can do more. And I think, you know, for us as an organization, traditionally just asking our communities to donate money and money's always needed, of course, if you're going to build a shelter, you have to pay for it. But there's much more we can ask our communities to do than just donate. And I think we're actually insulting uh, uh, all of you. And we're actually, more importantly, missing a great opportunity to use this vast resource of potential of volunteers with so many op- skills and a desire to be more involved in helping to rebuild and heal the lives of these children. They've been isolated, they've been cut off through this siege for over 20 years. Most of these kids, all of these kids, have never known a life in which they were connected to the world. They've always lived behind walls and barbed wire. And um, and this siege, which has created not only a physical separation, but a psychological separation. We need to break that down, and we can. Technology today enables us to bridge that uh, people all over the world and connect people all over the world and provide opportunities and growth and a chance to heal that these kids need to get back to the lives that they deserve. What they're experiencing right now is unimaginable by anybody who's not experienced it firsthand. Um, But what it does do is we all understand that the impact of this violence, of this terrible, terrible onslaught of bombs, of, of hunger, of poverty, of displacement, of destruction, of violence, Um, is also a challenge for us as a community outside to respond. And how do we respond? I think we respond in a positive way, through love, through connection, through human um, support, and and I want to build an organization that gives people an opportunity to be involved in that.
1: I'm sure a lot of people you know are familiar with you and say, "Hey, you know, we'll ride with you, Steve. We rode with you the PCRF. You've been transparent for over three decades. Much respect." But there's also a lot of people that may not be familiar with you, and of course, uh, the new mission with Heal Palestine. So is it okay if we go over some kind of like frequently asked questions just to alleviate any concerns? Of course. Okay. I think the big one for a lot of people, uh, whenever they're donating to an organization, is how does the aid come in for people that don't know by now? Israel essentially controls everything that goes in and out of Gaza and really all throughout occupied Palestine. So are you able to kind of shed some light in how you do get aid to the people who need it?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And that's actually the biggest struggle that organizations are facing is how do we get food that's on the Egyptian side of the border over to people who are starving in Gaza? And as I'm sure you all know starvation now is a big, big issue on the ground in Gaza, uh, particularly for children and marginalized families by the hundreds of thousands. It's unbelievable. How do you get clothing? How do you get medication? How do you get medical supplies in? How do you get shelter in? Those are all huge, huge challenges. Now, some aid is getting in. It's a trickle amount, but we are able to get in line and to get materials in through Egypt. The other thing we're doing is we're bringing kids out injured children who need medical care they cannot get in Gaza because the health system is collapsing or has collapsed in most of the Gaza Strip, needs care that they otherwise are not going to get. And what we're doing is identifying these kids and we've actually mobilized all of the organizations that are bringing kids out to work under an umbrella where we coordinate and share uh, um, the patients and each other's resources and our expertise to work together um, to get kids out. So we actually have, and I wanted to mention this while I'm talking about bringing kids out, because that's one of the big areas of aid. You're not, We're not always thinking about getting aid in, although that's critical and we're involved in that, and that's a challenge, because ultimately it has to be approved by the Israelis. But bringing injured kids out is something that we are, uh, you know, it's not always going in, it's getting these kids out and getting them medical care. We actually have kids coming. Um, I'm sure some of your viewers are familiar who follow this issue closely of some of the stories that have been Pretty well circulated in social media. Recently, there was a teenage girl who whose uncle, who's a doctor, had to amputate her leg in his kitchen without anesthesia. Um, a horrific, horrific video, a horrific experience. Um, uh, and we we're bringing her out for medical care in in New York. Her cousin was, in, and we were actually working on her case even before her um, her sister, her cousin was injured. Uh, her cousin was terrible. Uh, Another patient who's burned on the vast majority of her body, her face, her hands, all of her body. She's been not getting. She's not been getting medical care either. She's in the northern Gaza Strip. Uh, we're bringing her out for plastic and reconstructive surgery. Both of them are coming to New York. So we would. We as an organization depend on the goodwill and support of people all over the world to help us not only in having the resources to do the work, like shipping in containers of medical aid and equipment or sending doctors there, but also caring for our kids when they're in their community. So when these kids are here, we're gonna need our communities to step up and help with their social needs, um, taking care of them, treating them, and giving them love and attention and making them feel like um, this terrible crime that's been committed against them um, is not acceptable and that we don't accept uh, we don't stand with it and that we're going to be here to help heal them and get them walking again and get them the surgery and medical care that they need but they can't get back in Gaza so we ask our communities come forward if you'd like to volunteer to help these girls or other kids that we're bringing out for treatment in the US please just reach out to us. Uh, our email is info at healpalestine.org. Go to our website, which is obviously healpalestine.org and, and reach out to us. And we'd love to have you um, on our list of volunteers. Uh, in addition to that, of the you're going back to the issue of getting aid in right now, because that's the critical question when people are dying. Um, we're doing a lot of things on the ground. We have an amazing head of our uh, program program, for delivering aid in Gaza. He's actually an amazing story that I'd like you to do uh, when he comes out. He's from New Jersey. Uh, His name is Faris. And he was actually a young teenager uh, back in the late 80s who was shot in the face. He was shot right here uh, by an Israeli sniper uh, from the beach camp in Gaza City. And I brought him for treatment back in the early 90s for surgery. Um, he, uh, was able to stay and build a life in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, have a family, had a business and was visiting his family back on October 7th, uh, in the beach camp, uh, when the bombing started and he had the opportunity to leave. And I remember I contacted him. We were friends, um, and, uh, you know, encouraged him to save his life. And he said, no, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay and do all I can to help the people here. They need me. Um, and he didn't care. He said, if I don't see my children again, I'll see them in Jannah, in heaven. So, so much respect and admiration for Ferris. Now, Ferris now is working with Heal, and he's on the ground in Gaza, and every day he's going around implementing these programs that, you know, if you go to our website, you'll see them. Um, some of the activities that we've been doing, and we're only uh, 19 days old as an organization, but we've already been doing relief programs on the ground, and some of them are small. Um, some of them are just giving a family mattresses that are sleeping on a cold floor, um, you know, who are living in a... Uh, uh, in a school. So all of those things um, you know, are being done. If we give those mattresses, you've helped those people. It's a small thing, but if that's ways that we as an organization can help, we can do big things. We can get injured kids out. We can send shipments and containers. We can build shelter, which we're doing another project on the ground with suppliers in Gaza, building shelter, uh, for families. Uh, each one is, uh, uh, can hold, uh, four families and we're working on a local supplier, uh, who has the materials there to build them. And, uh, so we're doing a lot of different work right now. It's a challenge. I, I, everybody knows that with the borders being closed and re- highly restricted as to what you can get in and how frequently you can get stuff in, but we have to try. And so if we're able to do something small, like organize haircuts for kids in a refugee camp, uh, where they line up for, you know, uh, 300 meters just to just to have their haircut and we hire the barber or if we're hiring uh, cleaners to go into one of the display schools and just clean it because infection is such a major problem which we're doing or hiring women to bake bread and distribute it and giving them some income which we're doing um, those might be small uh, acts in the greater scheme of what the challenge is but it's something and it's important and it does at least um, have some impact. And, uh, you know, obviously, we're not going to be able to change the entire humanitarian crisis on the ground in Gaza. Nobody can. Um, but if we can help people at whatever level, that's our mission. And that's uh, the, our uh, kind of our values as an organization. And that's how we started PCRF. We're never going to give up that responsibility to anybody who needs help. We'll do our best to help them.
1: That is absolutely incredible. And and, and yeah, th- thank you so much for mentioning those stories about the young women coming to New York. And we will definitely yeah. spread the good word, you know, across Ooh. our network. and. You
0: know. we have a girl with an amputation and a girl who was burned. So, and they're both in their, you know, mid teens, late teens. So, um, you know, the community, it's a great opportunity for high school students. It's a great opportunity for young people. Um, uh, you know, we're not asking you uh, for money. We're just asking you to come and just be friends and, um, and be part of their lives and help them feel, um, that how cruel the world has been to them, that there is, compassion kindness and love out there still for them and hopefully rebuild their hearts and their spirits
1: absolutely we 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 sure hope so for sure and we'll definitely like i said uh, spread the word on that um just a couple other uh, quick faqs if that's all right now sure. that now in terms of uh, the kids who've seen some comments on instagram you've been kind enough to answer them for people that haven't seen your responses when the kids leave gaza or leave you know palestine in general they do almost 100 percent of the time go back home obviously right as long as they have a home to to. go back to.
0: Yeah. I mean, traditionally, I've been involved in bringing over 2000 kids out of Palestine or out of the Middle East, mostly Palestine. We've done some Syrian and Iraqi kids. Uh, It's a great honor of me to do anything for those countries as well. Um, Yeah, they always go home. Uh, The visas that we get are not immigration visas. They're not giving them an opportunity to resettle. Um, They're here for medical care. Now, the situation today is that they don't have a home to go back to. Um, We're hoping that there will be a ceasefire. I mean, there absolutely has to be, obviously for many reasons, not the least of which is that people are dying by the hundreds every day. Um, So a ceasefire is absolutely critical. And we hope that soon there will be uh, some kind of uh, an agreement that will enable uh, the rebuilding of Gaza to begin and that people can start returning. Um, But in the meantime, we'll do all we can to take care of these kids uh, until they're able to go back home. But we're not in the uh, business of immigrating, um, helping families emigrate out of Palestine. That is not our area of, uh, that's not the scope of our work. Our scope of our work is to get them the medical care they need and to connect them with our communities um, to help support them while they're being treated.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for that info. And of course, as you mentioned, you guys are not only taking donations, but you're taking plenty of volunteers uh, where you can get them. And specifically in regards to Heal Palestine, this is a grassroots organization, correct?
0: Yeah. And that's what I love most about organizing and being a kind of a community organizer is um, I think the biggest strength that we have as, is our community, and um, I think we haven't tapped into anywhere near the potential of uh, support and the resources that are available in our communities to have a much greater impact. As I mentioned before, so all of that should be done on a grassroots level. Um, I think you know that's always been my belief, and that's how I started PCRF, and that's what I truly believe in: is that um, you know our strength comes in numbers, and our strength comes in the passion and the commitment that our communities have for this cause. And the further we get away from that, the weaker we become.
1: I just saw on your website and you're promoting your, your zoom, of course, that's how I'm recording this interview. uh, You're going to be collaborating with Dr. Ghassan Abusida, who is a a critically acclaimed doctor who was in Gaza, who only just, just recently left. So I'm assuming this is kind of a permanent partnership with him, with the heel Palestine. He's going to be overseeing your medical board.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I've known Dr. gassan for decades and actually remember meeting him and he, he's a great surgeon and a great humanitarian and uh, we worked together in Lebanon uh, for many years treating Palestinian and Syrian refugees there um, and, um, you know, had always stayed in touch and worked together. And he reached out to me and said, you know, he'd like to learn more about what Heal Palestine was doing. And, you uh, and, uh, you know, we talked about um, what our vision is for using our doctors uh, and people who want to be involved in rebuilding the health sector. And who knows better, more about that than Dr. Gassan, having spent two months there um, as a reconstructive surgeon, uh, not only during this terrible um, crisis, but also has gone many, many times there. Um, so, yeah, we're very honored and very um a privilege to have a man of his uh, esteem and leadership qualities and experience uh, to help guide us. The way we structured the four pillars that I mentioned—health, education, aid, and leadership—the the words that make up Heal um, are that we're guided by advisory boards, and we've had, we have a health advisory board. We're putting together an education advisory board, we're putting together the one related to humanitarian aid, and then the mentorship leadership advisory board are being put together now. The health advisory board is obviously something I've been working on in the health sector for many years. I know hundreds, if not thousands of doctors uh, firsthand who I've worked with, who all have contacted me and said, hey, we'd like to learn more about what your plans are with HEAL and, and our, you know, ready to come over and be a part of our mission. So uh, that's how we're planning to focus. We I think it's important that our job as an organization is to implement. It's to identify needs, go to the experts in education, the experts in health, the experts in aid, the experts in leadership, mentorship, developing long term um, support for people and hear from them. What's the best way to run these programs, to develop these programs, to sustain these programs. And they're the experts. So hearing from them gives us an opportunity to make sure we do it the right way. And that we use the best talent that's available um, to ensure that we maximize our resources. Um, And I think that's hopefully to all of the donors and people who are going to be a part of this, they understand that we're doing we we are maximizing to the best of our ability, every dollar that we have to have the biggest impact on the lives of these poor and innocent children.
1: Fantastic stuff. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Of course, people can donate, volunteer, get more info, sign up for a newsletter at healpalestine.org. Before we let you go, is there anything you wish I asked you or that you wish to address?
0: Thank you, Fred. Um, I think the most important thing is that uh, you know, as time passes and sometimes it's easy to get desensitized by um you know the news and just what 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 was shocking yesterday after you see it for a hundred days sometimes doesn't have the same effect. I don't think that's having an impact on any of us when it comes to children being killed in Gaza, but there is a fatigue syndrome that builds up uh, over time on any issue it's it's normal, that's life. Um, I think it's important for us to consciously try to not become fatigued by uh, what's happening in Gaza, and also understand that it's our responsibility individually and collectively um, to come up with ways that we can help the people there. We can't just complain about this issue and say, well, why aren't the Americans doing more? The Saudis doing more? The uh, Europeans doing more? The UN doing more? Take responsibility for yourself and your actions and join us because we're putting together all kinds of volunteer initiated or volunteer fueled opportunities for people to get involved and do something. Um, if, if you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem as the old saying goes, and that's especially true right now in Gaza. So you have an organization that's just newly established. We're 19 days old. Uh, we're giving you an opportunity to get involved and be part of a solution, not only for today, but for the long term. So we hope you guys will reach out and be part of what we're building
1: thank you so much for your time. Always an honor and privilege. And we're looking forward to seeing the great work you do with Heal Palestine.
0: Thanks, Fred. I appreciate the opportunity.